Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. With Michelle Smallman, I am Randy Carricker, and it's great to have you with us at 731. It's May 5th, and this would have been birthday number 39 for our friend, the late, great Chris Duncan. And one of his teammates on the 2006 World Champion Cardinals was the World Series MVP, David Eckstein, who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. David, thanks for getting up and joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. David, last night I was reading about Dunk and about that 2006 World Series yeah. run, and I pulled up a New York Times article, and as I'm reading it, this line caught my attention. I want to read it to you. It says, The Cardinals were mostly crisp, with the notable exception of right fielder Chris Duncan, who dropped a fly ball just before Sean Casey's two-run homer in the fourth to put Detroit ahead 2-1. to one. And I started laughing out loud because normally you would think, oh, wow, that's not something that you would want to have written about you. But I thought Dunk would be the first person to make fun of himself in that moment is that how he was all the time totally definitely he was the one person that would always kind of like put himself down and make everyone laugh around him and he's like of course I would do that why would I not do that you know and so but yeah I mean he he was just such a you know a bright a spirited and fun guy and especially be around in that in, inside the clubhouse David, you aren't a guy that uh, is going to have preconceived notions, but a, a lot of us do. And we, we see a guy like you, undrafted, who does has to grind his way through the minors just to make it to the majors. And then you see the the bonus baby. Chris was a first-round draft choice. Yeah. His dad was yeah. the, the pitching coach for the Cardinals. So uh, when you knew about Chris before getting to meet him, did you have any preconceived yeah. notions about what the guy might be like? Um, of, of course, you know, when you see, when you see like the, the family connection and stuff like that, is he really that good? And the one thing I'll say about Chris was the fact that he worked just as hard as anybody else. Like he showed up to the field and especially on the offensive side, like just grind it. Um, and how hard he actually worked with Dave McKay in the outfield. Cause as we know, you know, outfield was a little bit of a challenge. It was kind of a move of position just to be able to get himself in the lineup but, like, yeah, there was one thing that he did not take for granted was the fact that he, um, the ability to show up and play because he really worked his butt off. Um, as, as opposed to you hear some other first rounds just show up, oh, I'm the best. That was not Chris. David, before you joined us, Randy and I were playing clips from Chris's radio show here on 101 ESPN and the exchanges that he would have with his father, Dave, with Papa Dunk on the radio. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine what that would have been like unfiltered in the dugout. Did they have that rapport during games or with the team, or did they save that for afterwards? They definitely did. I can still remember like how excited you know, his, his father would, would dunk would get when, when Chris would get a hit or do a big home run with inside the dugout. I think that was probably the most special thing to be a part of is to watch that father son um, relationship at the big league level. I know how important family is to me. I have the opportunity to work with my brother right now, but to be able to sit there and play and as a father to see your son in the big leagues and be a part of that and just see the relationship. Yeah. It, it, it was something very special because with, People, I'm sure, in St. Louis know, like, Dave is pretty reserved, and there's not much of a personality communication, but um, Chris could get a smile out of him. And, and David, one of the cool things about that 
world championship team is that you had the the fun and energy of all those kids. You had yeah. the bullpen guys, and you had a guy yeah. like Dunk, and you had some really fun people. Spezio was a, a fun guy. So <laughs> that team, while serious in terms of going about yeah. its business in a professional manner, it seems like you guys had a lot of fun too. We definitely did. It was one of those things, you know, especially the way we were going down those last four months. No one really gave <laughs> us any type of a chance. And so, but like, you know, you had your, you had your, your guys that were serious. You had the, your Albert, your Scott Rowland, you know, Jimmy liked to have fun and stuff like that to keep the balance within the clubhouse. But then you have these younger guys, you know, and, and, you know, you talked to randy flores before you know he's just a little bit of a character and then <laughs> and then you had dunk on that so there was a there was a very good mixture and then yeah these these yeah i mean it was one of those things that helped regulate because you know it is serious stuff when you go but if you can sit there and have a little bit of a smile it actually takes a little bit of the pressure off and allows you to perform at a higher level well, we know Dunk provided a lot of smiles for a lot of his teammates. Yeah. We shared our memories of, of him and our favorite stories of Dunk here earlier. So what's yours, David? If you have to think about all the time that you spent with Chris Duncan, what's one story that might sit above the rest? You know I'm not allowed to say that stuff on air. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll just leave it like this. I would look forward to come to the locker room every day to hear what he experienced that night <laughs> he was a guy that loved to go out a little bit and have some fun and you know and i was like the, the total opposite like i always went back to my back to my room or my apartment there and i would live vicariously through him like the stories he would come back and just say uh was like yeah that's that's someone who's living life to the fullest so it, it was it was pretty cool to to um yeah have my locker um by him and just hear the stories because he would always make you laugh. The Cardinal World Series MVP from 2006, David Eckstein, with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. David, one of the other aspects to Dunk, and I don't think people really realize this because he had a radio career, but I remember after he got hurt, after he had the abdominal injury, I was talking to him at his locker one time, and I didn't have the microphone on, and we were just having a conversation. And I said, you know, you're great. Why don't you talk to the media more? And he said... That's not my place. This is Albert's clubhouse. This is Scott's clubhouse. This is Jimmy's. Uh, This is David's. It's not my place as a young guy to be the voice of the team. He was so respectful of you veterans. And and that that it goes back to like just even the relationship with his dad, like the sense of like in the first rounder, like he didn't live up to that. Like he didn't have all those preconceived conception of what you expect of that. He had true respect for the game of baseball and understands that, you know, there's certain times where you do speak up, but there's other times, especially younger in your career. I mean, we had a clubhouse full of guys. It was like when I came over in 05, like there was no reason for me to say a word, you know, when you have Reggie Sanders in there as with, with Jimmy, with, with Albert, with Scotty, you know, and then you're like an Isringhouse in the back end and then you have Carpenter. You know what I mean? They got the ability, you know what I mean? They could control the, the word that's being put out there and it, it allowed us to go play. And so, and, and that's one thing that, that Chris, you know, really took to heart was the respect of the game and how it's supposed to go. Even though he didn't necessarily talk to the media, you knew he had this big personality. There's, there's some of these guys that you look at and you can say, yep, they're going to have a media career after they're done playing. Yeah. This is something they're built for. Did you ever expect Dunk to go into media and succeed? Or were you surprised when he said, hey, I'm going to host a radio show? <laughs> 
Well, well, the shock jock type of radio show, I, yeah, he definitely had that in. <laughs> like, he, he, like, the funny thing was, like, you know, he didn't hold back. Like, so, like, there was no, like, okay, you know. He would call you out, you know, and then call himself out. You know what I mean? So, like, it wouldn't be like, oh, this is not an attack. You know what I mean? He, he, he just like me, you know. And so, no, I was not, like, it I would say probably a little bit on the fact of, of how, you know, per, the personality to be able to talk that much. You know what I mean? I always knew that it was inside them, but it was always, always like more of a private, like within a closed confine. So to actually have them go on the radio and say it, I was probably a little shocked about that. But the fact that it was in him and the way he knows how to connect, especially with on, on a friend level to whoever he's talking to, and um, that was something he was always very good at. David Eckstein with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, David, I want to switch gears because yesterday, I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw it, MLB Network celebrated Albert Pujols Day. <laughs> and they showed the game with the the home run in Houston. And people have a tendency to forget your at-bat, the Cardinals down to their last oh. strike. Take us through that at-bat against Lidge with two outs in the ninth. Yeah, walking to the plate, um, knowing those are the type of situations you want to be in. You want it to be on you to be able to extend the game. So, yeah, so I, I went down 0-2 um, very quickly. And, you know, you're just trying to put the bat on the ball and create some contact. And fortunate enough, I hit a ball in the six hole and, you know, was able to, to beat it out. And Jimmy gets the walk. And then it's probably one of the – I'd say one of the most awesome moments um, in, in, in my career because the fans going nuts, how loud it was, and when the ball was hit, the dead silence. And that, that, that um, as a player in, uh, on the road, to be able to quiet the crowd is pretty cool. It's, and that, that, that was, I mean, you, when they say you could hear a pin drop, you could hear a pin drop. And I think that was, you know, probably one of the, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of very cool moments in my life playing the game, and that was definitely up at one of the top. As you're taking us through that, I'm imagining what it must feel like to, <laughs> to silence a crowd. And then I think about yeah. where we're sitting right now and how players might actually oh, yeah. have to play in silent ballparks because oh. of the state of the world and not having fans. So as someone who had played and knows how much that crowd and that home park advantage means, how do you think yeah. that players are going to be able to adjust to that? Do you think it's something that's going to affect them? I mean, it is. I mean, it, it, to me, it would come down to self-motivation. Um, and and the, the eeriness of probably living in your own head now because when you're out there playing, the buzz, the, you know I mean? You, you can't hear. Like some of the weirdest things would be when you played in a ballpark where there were not that many people and you can hear the conversations. And that that's weird. So now with no conversations, with nothing, and all you're doing is living in your own head, um, I think that would be definitely a change because you actually felt co- – you feel comfort – when you just hear the buzz of the noise of, of things and it actually brings, you know, a little bit of a you know, normalcy to the game. So it would be very interesting um, to play without a crowd because you hear that a lot, like especially within the minor leagues, you know, when you're coming up in some of the towns where there's no fans. You like, I mean, because you do, and personally, I mean, I don't know, you, you read different things. Science says it, it does help. Other scientists says it doesn't help. To me, the fans really were a part of my game, and I enjoyed playing, you know, in front of them. 
So it'd be it's going to be a challenge, in my opinion. Final thing for David Eckstein, who's currently, you mentioned he's working with his brother Rick with the Pirates. You're a special assistant. How have you handled quarantining and dealing with this uh, this virus? Um, yeah, so as many people in St. Louis know, a lot of my family members are immune compromised with the kidney disease and stuff like that. So we've hunkered down. And so, like, um, we designated my my wife and my niece to go to the stores. You know, I mean, I haven't been to a grocery store or anything in months, neither of my mom, my sisters. So it's one of those things that we are, you know, um, hunkering down, following the rules, and hopefully that we will get through this at some point in time. We will, and we'll, we'll all get through it. And we're glad that you're staying safe and following the instructions and being well. We appreciate you taking some time to reminisce about Dunk, David. We always yeah, love having I'm you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and you guys take care. Have a great day. You too. Have You too. That is David Eckstein with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. What a great guy. Great what, guy. That team was such a great group of guys.